Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. None of that is confirmed. I think uh, what, what that is is there were 911 calls for people saying, hey, the water is rising in my home. I'm going to go up in the attic, but I'm really worried. Of course, those folks are now uh, going to be uh, going to be checked on. And so I think you'll have more clarity about that uh, in, in the next day or so as they're able to go to those locations and determine whether people uh, need need services or, or are able to be rescued. Uh, my sense is, is that you know that water was very, very high. Uh, but my hope is is that if folks did go higher, if they were there, it's not comfortable. Uh, but now we're in a situation. I mean, if you're there, they want to come get you. And, and so hopefully we'll be able to see a lot of those people brought to safety. That's Governor Ron DeSantis talking about the reports of possibly hundreds of people dead from these storms. And of course, possible, but uh, until tomorrow comes and and uh, after today uh, with with Hurricane Ian and being able to assess the damage and really figure out now that the storm has moved out how you get to people and it hasn't moved out everywhere there's still places within Florida that are dealing uh, with the, I guess by now by now it might have moved out to to the Atlantic but it's also going to gain strength in the Atlantic so there's still places that are dealing with the rain and and, and winds things like that. I guess it's the best way to put it. Tomorrow we'll have a better idea of what's happened and what's going on. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It is good to be with you. Find everything. Find it all. TonyKatz.Locals.com. I had mentioned on uh, the, the, the morning show, I wanted to get into some of this polling. I wanted to get into some of this data because I think, I think this data is uh, extremely, extremely important. What it is that we're seeing in the polls, and whether or not anything can be trusted or believed. As you know, as you well know, I do not believe just one poll. I I, I don't. If you say to me, well, uh, here, here's the polls, so that must be uh, the, the way it is. OMG, are you kidding me right now? Exactly. I'm, I'm not buying in. I'm, I'm not the guy for that. Not, not at all. And not in any way. There's there's no one poll that makes me say this is the way things are. There is an amalgam of things that comes out that makes me say, hmm, that's interesting. And I have been obsessed with uh, Trafalgar polling outfit engaging this idea of the submerged Trump voter. Because when we talked about Trump in 2016, I was this was my topic. Not only did I believe it to be true, I think in many ways we proved it to be true. The number of people who may not talk about Trump, but did it. And I believe you can now apply that to the idea of Republicans and conservatives writ large, which is it's not about whether or not you're, you're being vocal about supporting Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not the, the motivating factor that we think, or at least that the press wants it to be. In the same way that abortion is not the motivating factor. <laughs> the way uh, the press wants it to be, the way Stacey Abrams wants it to be, the way uh, the political left wants it to be. Education, inflation, immigration, illegal immigration, those are the movers. Those are the movers. 
This economy is the mover. They can't ignore this. I've got Jen Psaki admitting to this. Guys, there are just political realities and they can't be changed no matter what someone idea, someone's ideology is. They are what they are. And so someone pointed out in this polling conversation that it used to be that John Fetterman, the Democrat in Pennsylvania, the current lieutenant governor running for senator, the guy who had the stroke, that big lummoxy looking dude who now, yes, has a hard time completing a sentence. It, it can't be said otherwise. He was up by 11 over Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz, a celebrity doctor, Republican nominee for Senate in Pennsylvania. He was up by 11. He's now up by four, according to Fox. Trafalgar had Fetterman up by four, now up by two. I'm no, I don't know who F and M are. I don't know who F and M are in that Pennsylvania race. Maybe I can figure that out. Who in the world is F and M? Oh, Franklin Marshall. Franklin Marshall, okay. Uh, had Fetterman up by 13, and Fetterman is now up by four. That's that's some very interesting data. Now, I think that the the uh, poor man's view of that is to look at that and say, oh, Fetterman's still up. Is that what that says? I mean, you can argue that that's what it says, but it's not all of what it says. It's not all of what it says if you believe this idea that people are not honest with pollsters. And you know who is now engaging this conversation fully and completely and honestly? Pollsters. The reason this, this commentary from the, from the senior pollster at Trafalgar was so incredibly important is that it was a statement of, guys, we're going to do it the best we can. We take what we do seriously, but we can't, we can't guarantee a damn thing. We cannot guarantee ungats, nothing. You know why? People aren't being honest with us. And we saw um, it, it, it was uh, it was a Guy Benson uh, uh, tweet. Oh Lord, I don't I don't even know where I could still find it. I don't know if I if I search back on on Guy's uh, Twitter feed if I would find it. Guy Benson, Town Hall, Fox News, uh, uh, lo- lovely guy. Well, Guy Benson had shared a New York Times. Um, graph. And what the graph showed from 2020, not 2016, 2020, were the places where Republicans outperformed Democrats, specifically where Biden was outperformed. So there were some states where uh, Biden, uh, let's say, was uh, up by eight, according to the polling. He won by less than 1%. And this happened not once this happened often in a multiplicity of states this happened again and again and again and again where the polling said but the reality said something else the polling said Biden was going to run away with this. The reality said Biden barely squeaked by, and in some places he lost. Trump 
overperformed. That was a very fascinating bit of, of data. I mean, absolutely fascinating bit of data. And you say to yourself, well, if they got it wrong then, just like we said the polling was wrong, just like we said right here on this show, I'm not about to believe this polling. I am not about to believe just one poll. No shot, no how, no way, not happening. Well, we were right. And the data from 2020 proved that. But what about right now? How about the fact that on the generic ballot, Republicans outweigh Democrats 50 to 45 percent? 1,399 likely voters in uh, this, in this uh, bit of polling from Impact Research. It broke down to 31% Republican, 30% Democrats, 39% Independents. And when you take a look at all of the races, what do you get? Republicans plus five on the generic ballot. Give you an example. Give you an example. Let's go to Wisconsin. Let's go to the Wisconsin governor's race. Tony Evers. That's the the current uh, governor. Tim, I, is it Michels or Michelles? I'm, I'm not sure. All I know is the latest poll has Michelles up by three. Trafalgar Group has Michelles up by one, and that's 1,087 likely voters in the margin of error of 2.9. So you can argue that the Democrat, the incumbent Tony Evers, is still in this. But what did we just discuss about that? what, what Trafalgar referred to as that submerged Trump voter? What did we just discuss about where that polling is trending in Pennsylvania? Doesn't it come to reason, stand to reason? Isn't there an argument to be made? How about that? Just, we'll just agree that there's an argument to be made. There's an argument to be made that Republicans are faring far better than anybody wants to admit. And that Tony Evers in Wisconsin well, is a toss-up. Real Clear Politics has it as a toss-up, and their projection, Republican pickup. That's their projection. In Pennsylvania, Real Clear Politics says it's a toss-up in the Senate race between Fetterman and Oz. What's their projection? Republican hold. Now, their projection in Arizona in the Senate race is that Democrats will hold, that Mark Kelly will pull it out over Blake Masters. But as you start to take a look at where this polling is, you find that the polls that have the lowest margin of error, Trafalgar Group, 1,080 likely voters, 2.9% margin of error, only has the Democrat up two. When you move to the Marist poll, 1,076 likely voters with a margin of error of 3.9%, it has Kelly up by five. The larger the margin of error, the more they have Kelly up. The smaller margin of error, the less they have the Democrat up. What am I supposed to take from that? That it's possible that Arizona's not interested in, in Blake Masters. Of course, it's possible. The election is the election. But it also tells me 
that there might be room. You want me to, you want me to, uh, it's room for, for, for the Republicans. You want me to now go against that? Watch what I do. Total honesty here with Tony Katz today. This is the Arizona governor's race. Now, I just shared with you the Arizona Senate race. The Real Clear Politics average has the incumbent Democrat Mark Kelly, the senator, up by five. The latest Marist poll, M-A-R-I-S-T, Marist, 3.9% margin of error, shows the Democrat up five over the Republican, Blake Masters. You don't want to believe that? The latest Marist poll in the governor's race, same poll, shows the Republican Carrie Lake three points ahead of the Democratic challenger Katie Hobbs. Is the polling off? Is the polling off only on one and not on the other? The answer is maybe if indeed we're going to believe in this idea of the submerged Trump voter, the shy Trump voter, the silent Trump voter, and I want to be clear, I'm a believer, but it's not Trump. It is simply the shy voter, or really we should say the shy right voter because there are no shy left voters. Or, or well, there have to be some, right? Two sides of the bell curve. That number is not large enough to move any type of election at all. The shy right voter is huge. And it really should be described as the shy right voter. I don't think you should call it the, 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 the Trump anything. It's the shy right voter. Because how in the world do you admit in this world to being a Republican? Oh my God, you'd be vilified, you'd be destroyed. Absolutely, positively destroyed. You're a Republican. I have been at weddings. True story. I was at a wedding and I was talking to the person next to me, lovely woman. Now, you know, I'm married. I'm having a conversation. It wasn't that kind of conversation. It was It was a conversation. And in the conversation, politics is sometimes do comes up. And I, and I said, you know, I'm a conservative radio host. I swear to you, true story, so help me, this woman stopped the conversation and simply turned her back to me and started talking to the person on the other side. She wouldn't talk to me anymore. That really happened. That's something else. And I am only one story because you may have many of these stories. And so people say, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to have it. Me, I mean, it's, this is my business. Pfft, I'll talk about it. <laughs> what, do, what do I, all that becomes is a story for me to tell uh, on air. So thank you, whoever you were, for giving me just some solid content. But most people are like, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm not going to have this conversation. I'm not going to talk about it. So I could argue that Lake is, that, that Carrie Lake is clearly in the lead in that Arizona governor's race and that Arizona Senate race is up for grabs. Let's take a look at Wisconsin in that Senate race. We talk about the governor's race. How about the Senate race? Mandela Barnes, the Democrat, was ahead by big, big, big numbers just a month ago. But was he ever actually ahead? Right now, the latest polling shows the incumbent Republican, Ron Johnson, ahead. Now, Maybe people have decided to be a little more vocal than just silent. But the entirety of these of these races don't show the idea of a red ripple. 
It doesn't show that abortion is the big mover in the election. It shows that people are indeed connected and are indeed making their voice heard to the extent that there are no runaways on the left. Everything is close. And I believe the misnomer is that the left is seeing this as, oh, you see, abortion's a big subject. No. Things are close for people willing to be open. The amount of people not willing to be open is a very, 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 very large number. I think this polling right now is kind of fascinating. But I admit my own caveat. It requires our own looking into it and trying to read the tea leaves. That's what it requires. I hate doing uh, that on polling. We'll know on election day. But I think this idea of the shy right voter, the submerged right voter, the silent right voter is accurate. And I believe the polling is telling us something in that regard at this moment. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So there's not going to be a Pro Bowl anymore. That's that's basically it, right? It's not going to be a Pro Bowl anymore. It's just going to be flag football and a skills test. I guess everyone gets a participation trophy. Is that is 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 that the way our world culture has has now gone with this? Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today, what's going on, everybody? Good to be with you. Yeah, I I guess this is just the the interest in the Pro Bowl has waned. Um, well, they don't do it in Hawaii anymore. Last I checked, me, you know, I thought they were doing it in 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 Vegas. Uh, and uh, people don't actually want to play in it. They they feel that they're going to get hurt or they're going to get uh, damaged and there's too much money and, um, and that's it. So instead, they're going to go to basically like this week of programming, football skills and non-football skills challenges, and uh, it'll be called the Pro Bowl Games. And there'll be a flag football game. This has basically become Battle of the Network Stars. And if you've never seen... From the 80s, Battle of the Network Stars, that was actually fun stuff. You took the actors from your favorite shows of your three networks, and they competed against each other in in uh, physical competition. I, I Honestly, I think if you did it today, it would be gold. I think it would be absolutely fantastic if you did Battle of the Network Stars, but you'd have ABC, NBC, CBS, and people are like, what are those? And then... They would. They'd be like, what's that? And then you'd have Apple TV and Netflix, Hulu. You know, the guys from Showtime would be, what about us? You know, it'll be a, it'll be fantastic. So that's what's happening to football. Look, I don't mind changes just as long as you don't get woke. As long as you stop lecturing to me, everything is completely and totally fine. I can forgive anything. I'll try anything you want to try. Just don't lecture to me. That's it. Thank you. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. I said TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. So it's another day of just unbelievably bad numbers out of Wall Street, out of the markets, out of this economy. While jobless claims are hitting lows, well, You could consider that a a good thing, but you still have people who can't find qualified employees. You still have people who can't build their business uh, the way uh, that that they want to, the way that they desire to. 
So how much are you supposed to take from the idea that oh look you got you got you got the 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 the, the labor problems all solved you don't have it solved because you have the U.S. economy going down in the second quarter shrinking 0.6 percent but still people out there saying well it's not technically a recession in every way it's a recession good uh, to be with you oh gosh let me stop that right there tony katz tony katz today dr matt will joins us economist university of indianapolis you're the person i go to when i see uh, these things happen the u.s economy shrinking for the second consecutive quarter the three months ending june this is the final estimate from the bureau of economic analysis down 0.6 percent the gdp at 1.6 percent which is the worst performance since the spring of 2020, uh, when we're, of course, coinciding with COVID, what do these numbers tell you? Tony, these numbers tell me it's worse than we thought because the headline is negative 0.6, and the White House is saying we're not in a recession. But just look at below the surface, Tony, private goods economy. That's not the government. That's the private economy shrunk 10.4%. That's double digits, Tony. You and I, we talked about this before. We're not fans of Keynesian economics, but guess what? They give us the GDP equations. We use what they give us. By their equation, the private economy shrunk 10%. That's disastrous. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let me interrupt you real quick. Give me a definition of private economy. Private goods. Goods that you and I go to buy at the grocery store, at the mall. Um, Remember, GDP is a component of consumer spending, and government spending. Those are the two big components. So the private component part, Tony, the things that really produce value, this isn't, we aren't in a socialist country yet. The private part of the economy shrunk 10.4%. That's scary. So we, you look at these numbers and you take a look at this GDP. 1.6% uh, growth. We would argue that that is anemic growth in any situation, correct? Yes, but it didn't. We're talking 1.6 decline first quarter, 0.6 decline second quarter. I don't know where the growth is coming from, but it doesn't exist in my data that I'm looking at from the government. Then we have uh, something that you pointed out to me in in, in a text uh, that mortgage rates are now at 6.7%. That's the average 30-year fixed. That, Tony, that's the highest since 2007. But let me point something out. When President Biden put his hand on the Bible and he swore his oath, the mortgage rate was at 2.7%. It's now at 6.7. Everybody should out there. Six minus two is four. I, know I don't know if they teach math anymore in schools. That's a 4% increase since he took office. That is hampering the economy. That's slowing down purchases. You know, there's a good part in the GDP data, Tony. You know what the good part is? It says... Rents are up. Rental income is up. Well, Tony, that means people can't afford to buy a home. So we're celebrating that people can't buy a home because rates are too high. That's contributing to GDP growth. Oh, Tony, this is insane. So so I want to make sure I'm, I'm covering all the pieces. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will on Twitter is where you, you can find him. I have this negative growth in the GDP. I have the increase in interest rates on on mortgages. I had for a while there, and I think I may still have at last check, the two-year treasury 
being uh, paying out more in terms of interest than the 10-year treasury. And I had just saw a massive drop in the 10-year treasury uh, just yesterday. That is where you get this idea of inverted yield curve and the concept that we are in recession. So everything that we're now discussing, these markers, these clear data points that we're seeing, Now that gets contrasted by the federal government, whether it be Janet Yellen, who is the Secretary of Treasury, whether it be President President Biden himself or others, telling me how strong this economy is. How do they get a strong economy out of these out of these figures? Tony, these aren't your droids. Please don't look here. The, the, the media apparently is the stormtroopers who are listening to Obi-Wan tell them these aren't your droids. The data that they give us, defined by FDR back in way back when he gave us the Keynesian GDP formula, the Democrats created it, they give us a definition, we've been teaching it in the schools, now they say don't look at the definition. In fact, we're not even going to give you a new definition, Tony. The White House has said, you just wait, we will tell you if there's a recession. Tony, that's like the Chinese government who don't let us audit any of their companies. They just say, trust us, they're all doing great. So that's where we've become. We've gone from, we're not going to use a formula you gave us to just trust us, we'll tell you blindly when there's a recession. Do people buy this? Are people buying this? Well, the answer is, it's getting sold. I don't know if it's actually getting purchased. That's that's the the, the real story. I don't know if people are, are buying it. But I, I will share with you that We've seen some weird contraindicators. I'm going to call them that. Maybe there's another term for it. And, and I'll give you an example. Uh, Nation's Restaurant News says that the purchasing in, in restaurants is up, even though yes. the, the amount of, of uh, cost increase, the cost increase in restaurants across the board is 8%. That's how much menu prices ha- have, have gone up. We see that oil prices are slowly creeping back up, or gas prices, I should say, are slowly creeping back up. The Midwest having its own issues with the refinery. But AAA is saying that we might see $5 gas again, yet we're told consumer confidence has increased because gas prices have gone down. So there's a question as to whether or not this is actually connecting with Americans and selling them in a positive way that they see the horror, they experience the horror, but somehow they've bought into the idea of everything super groovy over here. Well, but Tony, okay, let, let me be clear. Let me, there's good and there's bad in the economy. The bad right now through the government report that we're talking about, bad construction decreased, non-durable goods. That's the stuff you go to the grocery store and buy decreased. Chemicals, that's the stuff and everything that you buy, decrease. But there's good, Tony. This is what you're talking about. Healthcare spending is up. I don't know, is that a good thing? Social work spending is up. Is that a good thing? Rental income is up. Is, is that a good thing because people can't afford to buy a house? Food services are up. Like you just mentioned, restaurant revenue is up. But why, Tony? Because the lockdowns are over? Are, are they up for a good reason? Or are they up because we just tell you you're not locked in your house anymore? Is it good that people are so sick they have to go to the hospital and so healthcare spending is up? The things that are good, in my mind, Tony, they don't feel good. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist with the University of Indianapolis, I wanted to see if I had still, and I can't find it. This was Joe Biden yesterday 
as he's talking about the hurricane, and of course we've been on top of the subject, <laughs> Hurricane Ian, and the flooding and the real devastation, and we're hearing, of course, and we'll have, we'll have a better understanding of this tomorrow, uh, death count, uh, according to some sheriffs, in the hundreds uh, from this hurricane. And there's Joe Biden threatening oil and gas companies not to raise uh, their prices, warning about price gouging. Don't you do this and don't you do that and don't you do uh, the, the, the other. This is a, a weird, uh, to me, a very strange thing to see from uh, a, a, a president when this has not been the conversation. All of the previous conversations to the hurricane were we expected to have very little effect on gas prices uh, in the rest of the country, although with the storm going across Florida and heading up the East Coast, that could change. Does threatening the oil and gas industry move the oil and gas industry? I think threats move it less than the hurricane that's going through, that went through the Gulf, Tony. And we don't have the time to get into it. But the problem with this has to do with government regulation and banning of construction of new refineries, that we switch from a batch to an oil flow system. It's absurd that he's making threats. As if he can control the, as if they can control the hurricanes. They they can't control that, Tony. They can't control refineries breaking down. That's the absurdity of him saying that. That's kind of like saying, you know, the best way to prepare for the hurricane is to get a vaccine. I mean, it's a similar silly statement. Uh, which is something that that he said. Uh, before I, I let you go, I know we we brought up mortgages at six point seven percent, which I have to assume is going to create a real uh, serious issue in, in the housing industry in terms of not only uh, the, the existing home sales, but new home sales. I have never spoken to you about ESG, environmental, so, environment social uh, governance. This, mm-hmm. this idea that uh, you have government dictating to uh, large-scale investors, these are the things that matter. Don't you agree that these are things that matter? And then the investor says, oh, yes, these are the things that matter. And then they pressure companies to engage the things that matter. Or, well, we'll just replace some of the members of your board. We'll take seats on your board. We'll take over your company. We won't invest in you. And so there is this this weird pressure dynamic that takes place, very akin to the Chinese and their social credit score. And they call it ESG. And there has been... A lot of backlash. Even uh, CNBC reporting on this today. There's an ESG backlash inside the executive ranks at top corporations. The question for you, sir, uh, not getting into the politics of it, but getting maybe unless you want to, but really the economics uh, of it. Have you seen that these types of maneuvers, which are clearly a maneuvers of, of a political nature, not an economic nature, um, have you seen them cause negative effect in markets, in companies, or as you see it, in the economy going forward? Yes, Tony. And I can tell you the, the cause is personal because I know people in the executive ranks who sit around and are nervous about their ESG scores because they don't want to get canceled from a corporate standpoint. And so they make bad economic decisions. The economic decision, it's very simple, Tony. Every decision a company makes needs to grow the economic pie. We have more people coming into the country. We have a growing population base. We have a higher standard of living. We want a higher standard of living. We need the economic pie to grow. And ESG shrinks the economic pie. And executives have to make decisions often that do not grow the economy. They make decisions that shrink the economy to to please the ESG crowd. And Tony, ESG 
in concept is great, but in practice it's terrible because for me or you or someone else, one person may think you're pro-life and their other person may be pro-abortion. And if a company has a policy one way or the other, is one wrong? Is one, you know, everybody thinks it's a moral issue, Tony. So a company has to read the mind of people and know, well, I recycle, but do I recycle enough? Tesla has a low ESG rating, Tony. Tesla, the electric car company of the world, has a low ESG rating. How in the world is that reasonable? Because we're not talking about right or wrong. We're talking about approved or not. That's that's the issue. The issue here is that are you an approved company based on those of one specific ideological thought or are you not approved and therefore you have to be shunned, attacked, ruined, etc.? Because it very much seems that if you don't have the right score ruining you is what it is. It's, it's all about regardless of what it does to the economy. Yes, and that's what happened to, to, to Elon Musk, who has the most socially responsible company on the planet, yet he was canceled through his ESG score because someone didn't like the fact that he wanted to take over Twitter and create free speech. How dare you have free speech? That's anti-ESG. It must be controlled speech by the ESG crowd. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Dr. Matt Will, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, that's with a D-R, on Twitter. That's where you can find him. We've got more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So we're going to have more updates on Hurricane Ian uh, tomorrow, for, for sure, in the weekend. We're going we're gonna to find horror stories, guys. Tony Katz. Good to be with you, Tony Katz, today. Uh, and people really violently impacted by these storms. I mean, that's, that's what we're going to find. We're going to find uh, the amount of lives that have been lost is just astronomical. The cost, the dollars lost, absolutely, positively incredible. Just, just stunning is what we're going to see. Absolutely stunning and horrific and and painful to witness. That's the way it's going to go. It's going to be bad, kids. It's going to be really, really, really bad. I I almost got the feeling, and and maybe other people are are different than than, than me on this. That maybe for the first time in my adult life, a storm got underplayed. I'm not I'm not addressing this. I'm not saying uh, this about DeSantis at, at all. Oh, the politicizing man, that's just you know that started before the storm hit. That is going to continue starting today. Oh, DeSantis isn't moving fast enough. They're not getting this done enough. People are dying because uh, of uh, of DeSantis. None of that. None of that is legit or honest or or clear. Uh even uh Ron DeSantis himself has admitted that he's been in touch uh, uh, with the president and the president has uh, offered his support. We have received a major disaster declaration for nine counties. 
but we do expect more. I just spoke with the president this morning. Uh, he offered support. I told him the thanks for this, but because the storm has moved uh, inland and caused uh, a lot of potential damage in the center part of our state, that we are going to be asking for those counties to be expanded and included there. But for now, we have approval for Charlotte, Collier, DeSoto, Hardy, Hillsborough, Lee, Manatee, Pinellas, and Sarasota. That will allow individual Floridians to seek individual assistance uh, from FEMA. And, and that will be something that, as you have people that have been displaced due to the catastrophic impacts of Hurricane Ian, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be necessary. Uh, we have been granted 100% federal assistance, Category A and B, up front for 30 days to ensure we can quickly move forward into uh, this response and recovery uh, situation. Well, I'm glad at least uh, they're, they're, they're talking now, as you should be. You're, you're dealing with people's lives here. Uh, no one cares about uh, the politics, or at least they shouldn't at the moment. That's the rational point of view. Uh, then again, we have people who are totally irrational about the politics. I will admit that I did not spend as much time covering the hurricane as maybe others because, well, once you know that it's there, there's, there's nothing really else to cover. Uh, and I do note the amount of coverage that East Coast events get or West Coast events get versus the Midwest. And, and I'm a little sensitive to that. I, I, I agree. But I want to make sure that w- when we're talking about people's lives here and what this devastation is going to cost, we are going to be on top of it and sharing every bit of that story with you. And certainly there's going to be an impact to the Midwest, especially when it comes to um, lumber and supplies. The rebuilding is going to be happening in Florida. Just, I mean, just get ready uh, for that. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com. TonyCats.Locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.